You're listening to episode 161 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and if you're listening to this, you're probably a maverick like me. How convenient because I literally made the show just for you. I'm a business scaling strategist that's been in the game for almost a decade now, and I'm weirdly passionate about helping impact-driven entrepreneurs, business owners, brands, and go-getters scale their businesses and their lives. Imagine taking your impact, your income, and your freedom of time to the levels that you can only dream about. Making your mission known to the world and mastering your business strategy so you don't have to keep on trading dollars for hours. I built two two comma businesses doing what I love, what I believe in, and a lot of that has to do with teaching you how to do the same. We drill down on strategy, but we know that it takes more than just business tactics to live the life that you envision. So we go deep on health optimization, mindset, leadership, relationships, and just being that scaled up version of you who is primed and ready to step into your purpose and peak performance. Some days I record this bad Larry from my closet to escape my three littles, and some days I'm down at my barn office on our 12-acre farm. So do me a favor, grab your notebook and a pen and your favorite bevy, and let's get to the show. Let me ask you, do you have a plan in place, like a solid plan to make sure that the next year of your life is different than this year, like better than this past year? Because the mistake I'm seeing kind of on repeat over the years that entrepreneurs are making is that they assume more time under their belt and some lofty dreams and hard work, that's going to be enough. And then they get disappointed and they wonder why nothing is changing with time. Do you have the mentorship lined up, the community of ambitious, well-connected entrepreneurs who are going to support you and push you and put you in contact with the right people to help you elevate your business more quickly? And do you have the business strategy? And the person that's going to pull the best version out of you in that process. It was on my heart during all the chaos of this last year to price our Maverick Mastermind at half off, much to my team's dismay, literally thousands and thousands of dollars off. So to make it more attainable to entrepreneurs who are in the heart of COVID and craziness, who wanted access to a way to elevate and build more profitability. And they were ready for massive change in their business. They wanted to see the bottom line grow and they wanted to change as leaders. That's only going on for another month. The Maverick Mastermind is for you if you are an entrepreneur who's already up and running, but you're ready for that next level in all categories. If you're called to more, but you need the clarity and the strategy to make it happen. So head on over to elizabethhartke.com forward slash maverick and apply. We do cap entry, so make sure you do it quick and know that this is a very limited time offer before we go up to our regular pricing, which is still a great price for the program, but why not save quite a bit of money going into 2021? So go to elizabethhartke.com forward slash maverick, and hopefully we'll see you in there. Holy moly, this episode is for you. I I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation with the amazing Maggie Patterson. She is the editorial director of Scoop Studios and the creator of Small Business Boss. And she has 20 years of experience in this space. And specifically today, we are talking about the idea of serving your clients beyond the sale. So often we put so much energy and focus in how do we bring in leads and then close those leads. But we don't put enough emphasis on how do we serve those leads well and keep them around for the long haul. So today we really dive deep into uh, retention strategies because guess what? It is way more expensive for you to get out there and find consistently have to find new clients over and over because you're not serving your current ones well versus 
nurturing the people that you have, it's way more lucrative in that in that category of business. So I want to bring you through this conversation with Maggie because it's so insightful and she shares the do's, the don'ts, the mistakes you are likely making that are losing you money and losing you credibility and the things that you can implement into your business right now that are going to allow for strong retention, amazing customer service, the ways that you can bring people into the culture of your company and cultivate that relationship for the long haul and how it will absolutely move the bottom line. But more importantly, it will make change in the world with the people that you serve. It will feel in alignment for you and it will set you up for a strong business model that continues to stand the test of time. So Let's dive into today's show because you have your notebook ready. Trust me, Maggie is amazing and this episode is going to incredibly serve your business. Maggie, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Welcome to Scaling Up. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am really pumped for the audience to hear today's topic, this idea of serving your clients beyond the sale. And before we jump into it, because I want to like jump all in. I want us to get to know you a little bit better. So can you share a little bit about your background and what has led you into speaking about a topic like this specifically? So I always joke that service businesses are my, are my business. And um, when I say that, I really mean that I have literally spent my entire 20 plus year career in services. So, you know, working in an agency, then freelancing. Now I own my own agency. And I feel like for those of us that deliver services, for those of us that, you know, the time for money model, if you will, as much as I don't like that term, but I mean, that's, that's typically how it rolls. And we get, there's all these myths about our business. There's all these things, these misconceptions. So I'm just like, as much as possible, I'm always like, no, that's not true. This has not been my experience. Don't listen to people on the internet. Yeah, exactly. So Sometimes I feel like, and you know, let me know your thoughts on this, but I feel like we're so focused on the sale itself, like getting that client in the door that we lose the opportunity for a lifetime client in that person because we under deliver once we have them. Like our, we're so focused on our own motives that we fail to think beyond that moment of the sale. And then it hurts us. It hurts us in retention. It hurts us in customer experience. Um, people aren't quick to refer us because of that. So talk to me about that, what you've seen and, and what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So I really think there's kind of two parts is, you know, in that sales process, how do we start setting our clients up for the relationship they're going to have with us. And a lot of times what happens is we're so excited to make the sale. We contort ourselves in all these different ways. You know, we're people pleasing. We're saying yes to things we shouldn't. And, you know, we also sometimes might use tactics that are very normal in online business, but they really degrade the trust of that client. So we have to be really mindful in the sales process of how we're approaching it and the promises we're making, the results we're promising, how we're interacting with our clients and how are we building trust in a way that we can start that relationship from a really solid place because we've all had this experience, right? You're really excited to work with someone. And then the second, once you hit buy or the second you start working with them, you have buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. You're like, what have I done? And this is like, you know, we talk so much about things like 
how do we close the sale? We need to talk more about what happens the second we get there. So, you know, how do you, from that first moment, someone says yes to working with you, really create that environment where you're constantly building on the trust you've already done versus degrading it. So great example, and this is such a simple, small one, make it really easy to get started. So make it easy to pay you, make the contract really like as simple as you can, make it very, very clear. Um, and then just make sure that it's very clear what those next steps are. So I just had this recent experience. I'm working with a new service provider um, and it's not related to my business. But I said to my husband the other day, I said, I have no idea what's going on. Like I have given them money. What is happening? And that is that is the literal experience of so many of our clients. Um, we think, we assume they know because they read this small print or whatever. We can't tell people enough. So, you know, what does your onboarding process look like once they've said yes to the proposal, the contracts they paid you? Spoon feed them every step of the way. Even if you're not starting for, let's say, three weeks, four weeks, build small check-ins along the way. Build those steps in that really make it clear. Because um, one of the things I see a lot of service providers do is they give you this, like, onboarding kit. We're assuming people are reading it. We're assuming people right. are really, we assume that people are going to follow our process to the so we have to think about how do we design that process from that first moment to really um, handhold them. And I think there's this, unfortunately, there's this attitude of like, well, I don't want to have to handhold my clients. It's your job to handhold your clients to some degree to get them really comfortable, especially in those initial stages. So not taking for granted, they understand what's going to happen and really, you know, kind of setting the pace for here's what to expect next. This is when you will hear from me next. This is what I'm going to need from you. Just really being explicit um, and not leaving anything to chance. Because if a client's going to get squishy with you, it's generally at two points. It's in those first two weeks you're working together where they're like, I'm not quite sure about this. I was already feeling a little shaky. My buyer's remorse is setting in. I'm not sure I trust you. Or it's further on in the relationship. Um, and I definitely could talk about further on the relationship, but that's a whole other more complicated situation. Yeah, I agree. And before we get there, I wanted to ask you, so when in that onboarding process, do you recommend using systems or automating that process, outsourcing it, or really just like you being neck deep in it? What do you see as the best approach to making sure nothing slips between the cracks? So I think it comes down to what's going to work best for the type of clients you work with and the um, type of engagement you have and the, mo and the business model you have. So um, the way we do that as I own an agency now, so the way we do that in the agency is I do a handoff to our client service director, and then she basically is in charge of that process. And it's very, very high touch because they're not buying thousand dollar things. They're buying, you know, five figure things or more engagements. So we need to really make sure that it is high touch. Now, right. when I was a freelancer, I was doing a lot of that. And I was very much um, hands-on. I think there is, personally, I feel like there is room for automation, but you also want to be very, um, you want to be very thoughtful about marrying any automation you're using with a human touch because anyone can create an automated system to make sure like the check marks are, but your clients know when it's automated. <laughs> so, Definitely. you know, having a tool like Dubsado is great until it breaks or it sends the wrong email and it's not great. So you know, where can you intervene with that human touch? And I think as much as possible, use a project management system or whatever, you know, they're using BizCamp or Asana or Trello, having a standard set of things that are like, 
these are the milestones that we go through with every single new client. And this is the pace at which we do it so that nothing is slipping by. Yeah, that's, a, I mean, even all these years into business, this is a, a process that we're continually evolving with our company. And it's, you know, you unfortunately typically make the changes and grow because of the mistakes that you've made, you know, because there have been clients that have said, Hey, I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do next, or where do I go for this? Or, you know, okay, now we're going to come up with an FAQ for that. And like, so you take note and have enough self-awareness of those moments. And that's something that we've, I feel like done a good job in our project management system is not just having the onboarding process, not just having our process behind the scenes, but also having, uh, keeping track and evidence of those little things. It's like, Hey, so-and-so complained about this or so-and-so asked this question and it's come up twice with two different clients. Like we need to create that. So we have kind of just this bank of information of, of, process improvement. And, you know, we don't take it all on at once. We, we prioritize it and we chip away it and we outsource what we need to, but it's been really helpful for us to just listen to the client and give them what they're asking for. Sometimes they're literally telling you and you're not hearing them and you're continuing to have a little bit of pride in the process of like, Hey, you just came into my business. I'm the authority in this. I'm going to do this my way. And if you don't like it, you know, tough luck. Uh, and having a little bit of an edge or a chip on our shoulder about like, man, like, what does this person just like to complain? Well, no, sometimes, but listen and see what areas you can take ownership of and improve for their benefit, which is ultimately going to be for your benefit. Because if they go off singing your praises, then you have more clients coming in through your pipeline. Okay. I love that you brought that up, Elizabeth, because I think this is like the number one golden nugget that so many service providers miss out on is clients um, giving you feedback, clients asking questions, clients giving you negative feedback is information. And um, every time, you know, whether it's a boundary is breached, a client is unhappy, you wish something had gone differently, that is an opportunity for you to improve that process. Like my proposals now, my contracts, my onboarding, every single time something happens, I take note of it as a team, we discuss it, we figure out how to do it better. And that's how you over time grow. And, you know, you, you don't have the same problems. You get new problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You trade them and you upgrade your problems. Yes. You upgrade them. Totally. Um, I want to talk about a word you just mentioned that I wasn't thinking about talking about this today, but boundaries. So it's not always necessarily about, you know, this is the, the process to help you and get you started, but you also have to think about how you want things to go, right? Like, so when you bring on a client, if you don't set those boundaries and those standards right off the get-go, it's a lot harder to have a conversation and say, hey, you know, I know I gave you Voxer access, but when you leave me 30-minute long Voxers, I can't exactly serve you. Like I was thinking more of like a one to two minute boxer. That's a more awkward conversation versus when they get the contractor or the initial sign up. It's like, this is what's included up to two minute boxers each day. Like, so you, when you have those standards, they just know, okay, this is how I'm going to operate. But if you don't set those boundaries, then you're looking at a much more difficult situation of either living with the, the monster you created because you just yep. said, hey, free for all, you, you've paid for me, now you get whatever you want, or having to sit down and, and likely have a very awkward conversation of, I meant to tell you in the beginning, but I don't really like how you're doing this. And it's kind of like crossing a boundary. So now we're going to set this boundary. So um, can you talk a little bit about that and some good ways to avoid that pitfall when it comes to boundaries? Yeah. And I, I could talk about this one all day, every day, because I think 
I was talking about this yesterday with a client. I was like, listen, you're always going to have boundary challenges because we're humans. We're not robots. So like the expectation that, you know, there's never going to be a situation, whether it be with a client or your team or an outside vendor or whatever, that's not going to push your boundaries. But when it comes to clients, um, my policy is always to communicate uh, very clearly and to communicate often. So you know, from that first engagement, it is in my proposals. This is like, there's a page. This is how we work together. Like I'm talking office hours that we use Basecamp for our communications that, you know, you will contact me this way. Like it is very clear. The Basically the rules of engagement for the relationship that is then reiterated in the contract. It is very clear, like when you engage with us, what it's going to look like. And I think what's interesting is, you know, as service providers, so many times we worry we're going to lose the sale. I would say if anything, it builds so much trust at that point that they're like, Ooh, they got this handled. I'm going to be in good hands with them. And one of the big pieces of feedback I get with clients is like, that's what sealed it for me because I knew that you knew what you were doing, that you and your team had this handled. And I think we need to think about it from the client's perspective and how that's something they're not used to seeing and it's really refreshing and it's really creating for them an ex, you know, experience early on. So, and then, you know, once you're involved in the client relationship, using those opportunities to restate boundaries. So one of the ones I always laugh about is time off. Like people are like, I can't take time off. And I'm like, oh, I don't have problems taking time off because we have an entire way we communicate that starting with in the very first proposal, I'm like, we are closed. Our office is closed these weeks every year. We're closed these Canadian, you know, these Canadian holidays. You know, it is laid out. So it is, it is the expectation is set is that we take vacation and we take it seriously. So when it comes time to, you know, we just closed for Christmas for two two weeks, uh, November 25th. It was like, here's a reminder. Two weeks out, here's another reminder. So that by the time we got to the, you know, 22nd, everyone's like. Oh, aren't you off yet? <laughs> because, you know, we trained them. And mm -hmm. I think the other part of it is always is, um, you know, if boundaries do get squishy, this is never going to be perfect, is where's my opportunity to reset? So, you know, a common one is ways, ways clients contact you. Hey, just wanted to remind you to ensure the best client experience for you. Turn the boundary around so it's in service of them. Yep. Because yep, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss your DM on Instagram. I am guaranteed. <laughs> okay, hold on. Humor me for a second here because this is too good not to share. If if you've been following me for a while, I had I pretty much cut out all alcohol for a few years time, which is crazy but true. I'd have a drink maybe like here or there if we had friends over and we made a big dinner or once every couple of months, like one drink every couple of months maybe. But I'd always pay for it later. And I hated that. Like, it's not worth it to me. I have three little kids. They don't care that mommy had a glass of wine the night before. And they're not going to let me sleep it off. I can't stand hangovers. I can't stand being foggy brained or having a headache or whatever the next day. I'd have one glass of wine. I was turning into such a pathetic little lightweight. And it would cut into my work and my mood. It just, it wasn't worth it. But if I'm being totally transparent, the Italian in me missed her wine. And that was just kind of my, like, curl up by the fire kind of drink or my cherry on top of an amazing Italian dinner kind of thing. But it wasn't worth it. And you also know that I'm totally obsessed with health. We've eliminated all the garbage in our lives as a family. And it never really occurred to me that I'm over here avoiding fruits and vegetables that are sprayed with chemicals, buying organic, 
But I'd drink a glass of wine, never putting two and two together that the grapes were being sprayed with all the toxins that we completely cut out of our lives. So when I heard about dry farm wines, I'm a skeptic and a research junkie, so I dug into it. Organically grown grapes without any of the additives or toxins sprayed on them, the stuff that I hate. Sugar-free. That's right, sugar-free. And sometimes I feel like for me, having a drink, the sugar hits me harder the next day than the alcohol even does. Lower sulfites, paleo and keto-friendly. So I also am the type that never wants to recommend anything to you guys unless I've tried it for myself and tried it quite a few times. So... I'm happy to report that I'm obsessed. My husband and I are obsessed with dry farm wines. I can drink wine again. I can curl it by the fire. I can have it with my big bowl of pasta. And I love the taste. And really, I love the fact that it's small batch and supporting organic farmers all over the world. This is like, you know, what I stand for in business, too. I want to support the small businesses throughout the world. So if you care about that kind of stuff like I do or you just really like good wine go check them out. They've offered to do something special for you guys as my listeners of Scaling Up, and they're going to give you a bottle for one penny. They can't do it for free legally because of the whole alcohol thing. With your order at dryfarmwines.com forward slash Eliz, E-L-I-Z. So man, it has just been so worth it to go this route. I can enjoy a glass of wine again. And if there's ever a bottle you don't love, they replace it, no questions asked. So that's always really appreciated because then you're not going to love every single wine that you try. It's a perfect gift for yourself, maybe, or for my fellow wine lovers and hangover haters. This is great for you. No hangover. Are you hearing the words coming out of my mouth? No hangover. So go check them out. Take advantage of what they're doing for our scaling up community. I so appreciate that. Dryfarmwines.com forward slash Eliz. Okay, thanks for letting me digress for a second here and let's get back to the show. Yeah, we've run into that too and we call it our order of operations and it's always, hey, I feel like this is the way I can best serve you. And yes. and then it's not this like, I don't really like when you message me on Instagram. Can you please message me here? It's a, hey, you know, we make sure we keep a close eye on this particular inbox and email so that we don't yeah. miss your messages. And when you send it there, you know, there's a good chance that we won't see it. So I, I couldn't agree more on that. Um, outside of just boundaries alone, what are some of the big mistakes you see entrepreneurs in business uh, owners making when it comes to, you know, after the sale happens, where are they screwing up? Oh, I think one of the biggest areas I see, and I mean, this is just, it's, it's not necessarily in projects. It's more with ongoing client relationships, those retainers, you know, where you're working with clients for months and months and potentially years and years. We get so comfortable that a couple of things happen. Number one, our boundaries slip, we get sloppy. We, you know, we like the client, the relationship works for us. And then we start doing things like answering emails outside of our office hours. We start doing all these things, you know, in a continual pattern where we're just like, ah, it's easy. It's fine. No big deal. And then we eventually, you know, paint ourselves into a corner that we have to get out of. So I think with those ongoing client relationships, making sure that you're constantly checking in as a team and being like, okay, wait a second. No, we don't do that because one of the worst ways we get into boundary problems is we create them for ourselves. Um, we're always, I would say, you know, 90% of the time we're complicit in the, the situation with boundaries. So I think that's a big one. The other one is client communication. So if you're really comfortable with the client and um, 
it's easy to assume they know what's going on. It's easy for us to think, oh, they know exactly what's there. So we don't report as often. We don't, you know, we're not as responsive. So having some sort of standards for um, whether you're individual or as a team is like, this is how quickly we respond to clients. These are the Friday reports they get. We have our biweekly call. Maintaining that structure over time, even if the client starts to get sloppy about it, putting it back in check. Yep. I think that's such an important thing to note. And remembering too, that there's always opportunities to course correct in this process. So I think some people, you know, they make these mistakes and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm doomed, or I've, I've totally screwed up, screwed up how I run my business. Or now I have to wait until all these client contracts are, are done to fix it. And I'll start fresh with the next one. But there's, um, especially as a small business, I've found Clients give a lot of grace when you have, you know, humility and honest conversations, when you are transparent and you are letting them know that it's in also in their best interest in service to them to make these adjustments and change, changes going forward. And we've had to do that multiple times mid-contract with people. It's not that we're changing the contract, but we're just enhancing the experience for both parties. So I just want to kind of hopefully alleviate any of the pressure or um, frustration someone might be feeling listening to this thinking i've already screwed this up i'm in too deep no you you fully have the ability to gracefully make adjustments and know that likely your clients will be pretty receive it well as long as you present it well um and share about how just reassure them that this isn't taking away from their their experience this is designed to enhance it for them yeah and i think this is where understanding like the the give and take in a client relationship is really important a good client understands that like, you're not going to do everything like perfectly all the time that you're learning yeah. as you go. And I think if you can be, you can show up and have some humility, if you can show up and be really, I, I think there's a lot to be said for being candid with your clients. Like be like, Hey, you know what, when we do this, it's not working great. So let's figure out a different solution. And I mean, I've had to have some pretty terrifying conversations with clients mm -hmm. over the years to say like, this isn't a like, we need to fire you situation. Like, let's fix what's going on here. And your best clients, the clients you want to be working with for months and years at a time, they're going to be really open to that because they value the relationship and you've invested the time in building that. So um, I always say to my clients, today's a good day to reset your boundaries. <laughs> like, don't wait till the next, like, oh, I'll wait. It's like, no, just have the conversation. Um, I also think too, another you know part of this is, being really, really disciplined about how you communicate with clients around money, budgets, that kind of thing. I feel like that area got super like loose for a lot of people. And it's like, your client doesn't pay you on time because you don't bill them on any sort of schedule. Your clients always over their allotted hours because you always say yes. So being, you know, very consistent and very structured in how you do those things trains the clients to be good clients. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And that's a really good point is that you have to, you really, you're driving the ship and you have to remember that and you got to help them understand how they can show up in their, as their, as the best client. Like they, they're waiting to be told what that looks like. Um, okay. So what things come to mind is like key things that you feel like people listening today could implement to enhance the, the customer service experience, the, the post sale experience with you when they bring on a client, aside from the onboarding process, you had mentioned some things later in the relationship, what are some positive things that they can start to take into consideration and put into their process over time? 
So I think there's, you know, two really, really big kind of things that are core ongoing components with clients is, you know, going back to what's your project management thing. Because if you look at what things get your clients, you know, understanding what kind of triggers your clients, uh, missed deadlines, incomplete work. So how are you on internally within your business, ensuring that you are creating the highest possible end product for them, that, you know, it's correct and complete. What are your internal processes to do that? Because I think a lot of times we don't think about the actual product as part of that client experience. But when I think about any, you know, the majority of client experience things where things have gone really sideways, it's because we didn't do our job. So how do we ensure that every step of the way? And that might be, um, using a project management system. It might be having standard operating procedures. It might have checklists before something goes out. We check all of these things. It might be having um, certain, you know, fail safes within your team that, you know, second set of eyes, third set of eyes, whatever that is. I mean, we have down to like, this is how we formate, format our documents so that everything is very, very consistent in that client experience for them. And like, there's never any doubt, like the attention to detail is exactly where it needs to be. So I think that project management and how we deliver our work is really important. And then the second part that we touched on earlier is really that ongoing client communication. So how do we consistently set structure for those touch points with our clients so they know what to expect? Um, and I think one of the biggest cardinal sins in all of this, if nothing is going on, we assume we don't need to communicate with the client. And mm. no, I, I call this the no news update, like no new updates. You'll hear from me again on X. Like if you're like, there needs to be a touch point, whether there's an update or not. So um, if you're not having calls regularly, maybe you need to be having conversations regularly. Maybe you need to be providing a update on Fridays. You need to have a very, again, consistent structured approach to this is how and when we touch the clients. So we have specific clients, we don't necessarily have ongoing calls with them, but they know, hey, on the first business day of the month, we're gonna get a status update. Um, other clients know they're gonna get that on whatever day of the week. So they know when they're gonna next hear from us. They also, we also do a lot of pacing in terms of here is the next steps in the process, like really kind of this future look of what's happening because we take for granted because we do things all day. Like we're, we do content marketing. So we assume clients know all the steps in the process. They don't, they don't necessarily need to know everything about the sausage is made, but they need to know when they're going to hear from us next, what's going to be their requirements. You know, how long is that going to take? So being clear, because my client's job is not content marketing. That's why they hire us as an agency. So I need to hold their hand through that process. And a lot of this is just thinking about it from the client's perspective, ultimately, like just being like, if I was sitting in the client's shoes, what would I need? And I'm like, huh, well, my v client is a VP of marketing and they're super busy and I'm one of five agencies they're managing. So how do I make their life easier and how do we outshine everybody else? Yeah. And I, I love the idea of that touch point, even when it feels like there doesn't need to be a touch point. People want to, that is a form of support. It's yeah. a form of reassurance and comfort that they, and it's an additional uh, trust building point. You know, they, yeah. they know you're still there. They know you haven't checked out on them. They know, even though you have nothing specific to report to them or to send them that you're letting them know, Hey, I'm still here. I'm still supporting you. And that is my update that there is nothing to update you with. So I like that idea of having that built into the process. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about is this, how this affects retention. 
and long-term client, you know, relationships and referrals, like how does this positively, when you do this right, how does this positively affect your business, the bottom line, um, as you support your people really well? Yeah, I love this question because my experience of this has been very much like when you do your client communications well, when you do your project management really well, when you build a relationship with your client where they're not going to trust you, they actually like and enjoy. They don't go, oh, it's the scoop team. They go, oh, great. It's the scoop team. I know this is going to be good. You know, when you're able to do those things consistently, clients stick around. So um, when we have retainer clients, we retain them for years. Like, unless, unless it's COVID-19, not, you know, (laughs) that's a difference that doesn't count. That's the twilight zone. We don't, just none of it counts. Yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, it's very common for us to have clients for two years, three years, four years, whatever. And we usually are in a situation where the reason a client leaves is not because of the relationship they leave because it's time for them to hire a full-time person. It's time for them to shift to a bigger agency because we can't serve their needs. So, you know, I think it's important for each of us having that, you know, you mentioned self-awareness earlier, like having the awareness of like when a client leaves, why is the client leaving? Like, are they leaving because there was a service deficiency? Are they leaving because it's no longer a good fit? I'm really examining some of that information or if you do project-based work that technically you know, typically converts into a retainer. Why didn't that convert into a retainer? What happened in the project that maybe made them think this wasn't going to be a thing? So I think having, not being hard on yourself, not beating yourself up, but again, using all this information from our clients to really help us improve over time is really, really important. Um, so, you know, from a retention point of view, if you're, if you're constantly churning through retire, retainer clients, there is a red flag there and you absolutely need to be figuring out what's going on in the process that you can fix so that you can have people stick for long-term because these like the clients who hire us, they don't want to have to continually hire someone. They want someone to fix their problem and be their trusted ongoing support for this. Exactly. They're not looking to shop around. It's a lot of expenditure and time and energy and money for them to have to research and interview and find out whether they want to find someone new. Ideally, they're looking for someone who's going to take good care of them for the long term. And that it is a lot cheaper for us as service you know, based businesses to keep a client than to go find a new one, too, for us from a from a, a budget perspective. So Usually to me, when the retention is poor, it's evidence of a lot of energy put into the sales and marketing process and not enough energy put into the stuff we've been discussing today. So I'm, I'm so glad that we've talked through this because I just think, I think people know it. I think people think about it, but then they don't build in the space to actually strategically address it and fix it and tweak it. And, and I think too, to your point, when someone, you know, when a retainer client jump ship at some point and you have to figure out why or when you said they don't make that conversion to a retainer client for example people are afraid to ask why because our egos are like i just want them to go and i don't want to think about anymore i'll go find the new client because that's more of a uh, dopamine hit when we get that new client and it's like good okay i've validated that i'm still capable when we say to that leaving client and we do some form of an exit interview or a survey to find out or conversation even from a simple perspective 
why they're leaving and what wasn't satisfactory, we just opened ourselves up to rejection and uh, a little bit of a reality check. And hey, let me tell you where you've gone wrong. And no one wants to hear that. But those that are willing to ask those tough questions and hear those tough answers are the ones that are going to grow from where they are today. The other ones that just keep going out trying to find the next person and the next person to fill that void and and to uh, avoid that wound that could happen emotionally when they ask those questions, they're gonna be in that cycle in perpetuity and it's exhausting, it's exhausting. It's why there are people who have been in business for years and they still don't have time freedom. They still you know, are in this cycle of hustle because they've never figured out how to get into a flow with the people that they have and ask those tough questions. Yeah, and I think, you know, speaking of tough conversations, like have the tough conversation with yourself, like. Would I rather do the work to retain this client because they're a great client and I have potential here, or would I rather have to start with someone new? Like I personally would rather retain people all day, every day. Like I will do, like, if I like that client and our team is happy, I'm like, we are not going to let this happen. Um, And I think it's really easy as service providers to get sucked into putting so much energy into marketing and sales because that's shiny. It's fun. It's busy work for a lot of people. I mean, it's a heck of a lot easier for us to like write another Instagram post than to actually like confront the difficult conversation we have to have with an existing client. Mm, Yes, absolutely. Well, I have to tell you, Maggie, this was like, I'm very excited for this episode to go live and for our audience to hear this and absorb it because I really think it's going to be a massive difference maker in their businesses for the long haul. And we're very much about playing the long game and and seeing with a futuristic view of their business. So thank you for bringing your wisdom to us today. Can you let our listeners know where they can come find you? Yeah. So the two best places to find me are at small business boss on Instagram, because I kind of live over there. And that's where I dish up all my truth telling about online business and service businesses. And I'm also the host of the BS free service business podcast. So you're listening to a podcast. So just go in your app and find me over there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for today. And I totally appreciated this conversation. I know our listeners will too. Thank you. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all of the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.